Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. week's news jay how are you oh i don't care about the news what i'm good you have some I news care for about me the, no of course not nobody I, I had something during the week okay. how about surf report i listen just so everyone knows listen i will listen to talk radio every day i listen to other podcasts with news it's just somehow when i get in here by joe the way Rogan does not count for news joe rogan gives me good stuff <laughs> but it's 10 o'clock at night i just left an all day i've been surfing working working out playing with the kids done a podcast done a meeting and when he asked me about news, I don't remember anything from the day. By this point, I'm brain dead. So, it's, anyways, I don't have any news. That's okay. my excuse. I got some news. What? Well, do you want to talk drug news? You want to talk church news first? So let's talk church news. I want something happy. Well, there's a uh, probably your favorite uh, newspaper called the Huffington Post. There's mm. an article that's Huffington. titled, Too Mormon? Too oh oh Mormon. Or, oh. Not Mormon Enough. Ooh. What? What's and the it's post talking about and here? it's kind of bantering about uh, how you know uh, we as members of the church get like oh you're just too Mormon or then within the church we're like you're not Mormon enough oh. and coming from a convert I want to ask you like do you have you ever, ask me where have you felt have you felt uh, you didn't know what Mormons were before you joined the church nope but when I first jumped in I was all in to the point where I was too Mormon what does that mean meaning <laughs> meaning I became Okay, that's not what it means to be Mormon, but I did jump in so much that I kind of like the irony of being a convert that was a wild person like I was, then joining the church and becoming judgmental is pretty that's ironic because like you no one judged no people. one judged me when I joined. Yeah, but yet a year later, I became pretty judgmental of members that weren't living the gospel. Not necessarily non-members, because of course that was my life, yeah. my friends. But people that should know better. When I found that, out that there were inactives in the church, I. I remember talking, I like set up a meeting with my bishop. I was like, Bishop, I just heard this term. And he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm serious. This is a true story. He goes, he's like, well, what's, what's going on, man? And I'm like, are there people that like, don't believe? Like, they're like, they, they got they, baptized. They got baptized. They're in the church. And they've le- like, to me, it was like a Joseph Smith movie, man. Like, I, I it was like, what are those, what's the story? What's those three movies that came out? It's like a Hollywood Mormon church movies They're, that uh, they have like, Joe Smith in it. Um, it's a family that's leaving. They join the church. They're, I can't I even know. think about it. Like, see, we have these things on DVD. You know, what is that? Anyway, no. Okay. Anyways, it's back in Joe Smith time. The point is, is like I found in Zion. Like, you know what I mean? And like everyone I was hanging out with was perfect. Like when I first walked into Sunday, I looked at members like, oh my gosh, like they have everything. Like they have the answer. Like I had a huge conversion, right? And then when... Anyways, the point I'm getting at is then when I found out there was less actives, that blew my mind away. I was like, what do you mean? How do you leave? Like, I'll never leave. And then I started learning more in Institute and Mission Prep that apostles had left at one point, like the early church. And that yeah. just, I'll never be that way. Like, and then I became a little judgmental of people that were not living well, too Mormon. I think that's, uh, so, I mean, what, does that make sense? There's a, yeah, it does. Well, there's a reason why ju- Jesus said, Judge not, you be judged. Yeah, I didn't think, in my mind, I wasn't judging. I was, like, trying to help him. I was calling him to repentance. Okay. I was Brigham Young and Oliver Calvary and, like, Fine line, maybe. 
Yeah, I just because because you can't accept sin. There's also plenty of scriptures that say we don't shouldn't accept or tolerate. But yeah. it's a tough it's a tough thing to love the sinner. To me, at that point sin. in my life, I wanted to be called out. Like, right? Okay. That's why I joined the church. Like, I wanted to change. I wanted. And you to be, were sincere. I was sincere in it, but right. sometimes you can go close. So you so you're saying you have been too Mormon, and then there's been times where you haven't been Mormon enough. Yes, and then actually, here's the irony: in recovery, when I first came. I didn't know if I wanted to be too Mormon again. I just wanted to be sober. I wanted to go to church and all this stuff, but I didn't know if I wanted to get back into the culture, if that makes sense. But now I feel like I found a nice balance. You are doing pretty good. I would say pretty good. Well, right. I'm hesitant to link this photo because there's some very provocative photos yeah, I wouldn't link on that. the side. So I'm, you... I'm staring at this Huffington <laughs> Post, and it's next to a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, we're not going to post that one, but uh, if you want to look at it up. Um, church or drug talk right now? Uh, let's keep going with the church. Okay. I sent you tonight this uh, speech that I wanted you to listen to, and it was... Oh, that's what you sent me. One of the greatest things about going to a church school, BYU-Provo, BYU-Hawaii, BYU-Pathway. Did you take a selfie? No, I, was looking, I got this like rash on my face. It's called itching. Dick. No, dude, rash. You see this? Okay. Like It's been there for like a year. Whatever. It okay. itches right now. Okay. It's dry. And that... <laughs> you caught me off that. We'll post, we'll post it up and see what people think. So what if I take a selfie of myself during a podcast? <laughs> of judging. Okay, so. Uh, Are you too Mormon? Okay, go on. So okay, you right post now. me this? Okay, what? So this, so one of the greatest things about going to a church school is um, the devotionals on Tuesdays. I love them. So, I went to LA's College. It was oh, awesome. Awesome, right? Oh, I forgot to mention. So every BYU campus, LA's Business College on Tuesday at 10 or 11. <laughs> yeah. Campus shuts down. And shuts down. No school, nothing. Fun fact, I was, when we studied uh, Howard W. Hunter last year in Priesthood, mm-hmm. you know the story where that guy came up and threatened to bomb during his devotional? No, I didn't hear that. You might have been absent have that, that day. I was I there was in the Marriott him. Center when that crazy guy came up with no. the briefcase and tried to get President Hunter to read this um, thing um, in front of it. And President Hunter, or, yeah, he just stood there. And then a couple of buddies I knew... Like rushed the stage and tackled this guy. And like, I think I could have had a bomb, but they didn't know. This is at BYU devotional. BYU devotional stage in the Marriott Center. Wow. Um, Brad, so you lived through it all. That's pretty crazy. It was in like 1940. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I was gonna say you just showed yeah, I, your age. <laughs> President Hunter hasn't been around for a while. Um, that's all right. So, so Quint, that's pretty wild. So Quentin Cook gave this talk uh, this month. One and, of the core month twelve. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. One of the best ones. I mean, he you're going to love this A newer thing. one. Newer compared to old. Like, he's only been a apostle right. now for a few years, right? Fun fact, set my brother-in-law apart for state presidency. Stop it. Yeah, so I met the gentleman. All right. Um, but this guy, the, I'm gonna we're going to post this. You need to watch it. But he talks about this paradigm shift. And he re- referenced, and you like to reference C.S. Lewis, the love screw tape it. letters. Yeah. And then how Satan has really marketed. And he really gets into uh, how, you know, Smoking cigarettes now, almost everyone agrees that that's bad for you, right? Yeah. But, but yet there was a time when you had just doctors, twenty years ago, oh, not that yeah, long 60 ago, years, yeah, not four that years long ago. ago, that you were fooled. Like, what are you talking about? Doctors that it's were bad advertising for, you? for cigarette right. companies. Cigarette companies had doctors saying, "Smoke Lucky." So he smoke can, this. So he goes in and talks about alcohol and the fact that you know most uh, he most there's a lot of research that says, "Oh, glass of wine, this and that," but then he actually. Quoted some secular research of how the damage 
far outweighs any purported benefits. Even if you're not an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. Just, just on in, brain in, alone. In any use, any volume of use. Because it kills brain cells, period. Uh, yeah. And then and just many other things. The, I mean, we talk about you got to stick and wear bike helmets everywhere, right? You can't ride yeah. in the back of a pickup truck because someone might. But yet every 25% of every single hospitalization is alcohol related. One in every twenty minutes, someone dies of an alcohol related. But oh, we don't. You gotta wear a helmet. But you gotta you wear seatbelts. You can't ride in the yeah. back of the pickup truck. You know, I had a cop getting mad at me. Never mind. So, like, our society has like so flipped. Paradigm like, shift. We have paradigm shift. We're like, we're like, completely accept. Would you say that bad has become good and good become bad? Totally. Mm. Well, that's so. This is what his talk really focuses on. That, and then he really, I think, sends the warning sign about marijuana, Ooh. which kind of leads to our next oh, thing, but. Uh. Um, about how no. that is that that's it that's right now and then he he just really talks about this paradigm shift specifically word of wisdom specifically about alcohol drug he talks about the opiate epidemic yes Very, wow oh, yeah is, when did he give this talk on the seventh of February a week ago from today today's Tuesday it was last Tuesday at BYU at BYU Provo so and then he mentions the about he job. he really gets into abortion oh wow and. A lot of press in the news today about choice and things like that, and he just hits it hard. That's awesome. So we're gonna post that up, read it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, you'll to probably it. watch the video. Yeah, I'm definitely not. Other reading people it, might read I'll it. Watch the video. But I think it is awesome. Thanks. That's some good news. And then lastly, uh, mm, fentanyl. What is fentanyl? Darker, darker side. What is it's fentanyl? Basically, an elephant tranquilizer. That's a hundred times, I believe, hundred times more potent, potent than heroin. Think about how big of an elephant is, right? Like, I don't know how many freaking tons. Uh, four, five, six tons. I don't know. Thousands of pounds. And uh, they use fentanyl to to uh, put them down for medical procedures. Okay? And that's being mixed now into heroin. Well, so that's a lot of the things you've been talking about lately have been how many deaths. The overdose we did last week. How many deaths? Week. Yeah, the overdose. That was like Orange County one week we had back in October. There was nine deaths in four days in South Orange County. That wasn't even North Orange County. It was where we live over well, now um, federal officials are finding fentanyl laced with all kinds of drugs, specifically marijuana. Wow, so, so they're smoking They're, they're cutting it, it, mixing it with the weed, and so they're smoking weed. And, it's and got most traces. of this is coming from cartels in Mexico, just FYI. So for those of you, never mind, I don't want to get political. Well, I'm political. But about borders. Please don't. Yeah, I'm going to stop there. But um, you know where I was going with that if you're Yeah, listening. open borders. You're wink, all for wink. that. Bring yeah, them all yeah. In. Bring them all in. Um, bring it all in. Bring all these cartels in. Um, but wow, how dangerous is that? Like when you're, and I never smoked weed, but put it this I, way, yeah, I've, I've I been around going. people that did. Like yeah. you just got this. Bag. Where you're going with this? You got this when bag. When I was smoking of, weed, if if I could smoke something, I would have done it. Well, you got a bag of stuff, and then what do they say? I've heard it. This stuff, this stuff's the good stuff. Yeah. Right. And, well, yeah. And nowadays, weed alone is already so much more potent than it was when I was oh. smoking weed in high school. That like there is some weed that will like. You know, knock you off your freaking socks and think you know it's like a loose now mixing it with fentanyl and now kids are probably dying and now that. i mean the mix like you're driving through the freeway yeah right? i don't even know how kids can stay so like, billboards how are you gonna tell the, a kid not cross to do drugs if it says it's legal? like you, oh it's it's a crazy world so yeah. uh, that's why i love that talk that we just referenced because dude he just hits it on the head I love just when if you're gay, if you're listening, fentanyl is not a good thing to do. So I mean, if if you think you want the 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 irony of drug addicts, they hear stuff like this and go, "Oh, now I want to do that because it's not a drug." Just go look at the statistical how many people are dying since since fentanyl has been cut with heroin or now weed or whatever it is. I mean, this is not something you want to mess with. Period. 
That's it, Jay. Period. Well, I'm we're gonna ra- cut this short because we've got. Oh, uh, we got. We say this every time. We got a banger. But this one is so Asiatic. good. This is one of the best. This is a personal friend of ours. He's he's amazing. He's got an amazing story that we're gonna. Sh- he's gonna share with us tonight of of uh, how we went. You know, from return missionary, awesome missionary in our. You know, in South America. To I won't get into details. To jail cell to hospital, to recovery, and now he's sharing his message. He's sober, and he's living an awesome light and a life, and we're just, and I hope you stay tuned. Do not turn this thing off. you got to hear his story. Well, so that's all I have. then we're going to go to your I mean, share on step three. Oh, yeah, my share and then him. Okay. okay. Adios. Adios. Hey, well, my name is Jay Manak. <clears throat> Grateful to be here tonight. Um, this step uh, was a step for me. Uh, first off, let me start off. Congratulations, six months is huge. It's half a year, obviously, and that's huge. Because uh, beginning, uh, if you were like me, which I know you were, you, you uh, as you have said before, it's uh, it's not easy. In the beginning, you, when you first come here, you may have had that before you came here, you had the thought in your mind that like, there's how am I gonna live without this? And it's crazy because we can all remember a time in our life, even if it's all the way back to our childhood, where we didn't have to have, we didn't rely on substance or whatever our addiction may be um, in order to cope with our stress, right? Um, but the way this disease progresses, it somehow just grabs a hold of you and it becomes your entire life. And you're not even using, at least if you're like me, I wasn't even using addic- my addiction um, to, to narcotics, to prescription pills um, to cope with my stress anymore. I, I literally just, it was, it was my existence. It became like who I was. It wasn't, I wasn't taking them to get high. I was literally taking them so I didn't get sick. And, uh, and that could be the same with anything. I've, I've, I've switched addictions many times in my life and I don't care what it is. It can, it, uh, if it's, uh, if it's, if it has the ability to, to relieve anxiety and stress, then, um, you know, in the beginning, then I, I've pretty much been addicted to it. And uh, I'm grateful because I can honestly say that um, at the close of 2016, I really tried hard this year to to work on some other things to deepen my um, connection with God and just my re- own personal recovery to, to, to go even deeper than what I originally came to the meetings for, which was prescription pills and alcohol and, you know, the, the substances and to go further with it. And it was not easy. It was actually extremely challenging. It took me most of the year, um, but I kept trying and I was working with my sponsor with uh, certain things and um, I had contacted him several times and finally started to work with the bishop, which is something I did not do four years ago when I first came back to the meeting. I, this step for me was really hard. I didn't, it's not that I distrust. Oh, I guess it is because if I trusted God, I would have trusted him. But um, I, I was so disconnected with God when I came to the meetings four years ago that trusting in him to bring me to back to like a spiritual hole, uh, I just didn't believe that that could happen. I, I believed in him enough to help me get sober. And I would tell Lexi on the way home from every Thursday night meeting that we went to, and we drive all the way back to Whittier with our kids, I'd say, well, like, I'm gonna be sober. I'm never gonna use drugs again. You, you believe that, like, I'm, I promise you, I'll never use them again. However, I don't know if I'll ever have a connection with myself again like i used to where i like felt confident and where i felt connected to my own thoughts i mean i was so disconnected um i was not who you see right here today i, I couldn't put my thoughts together um and I, I for sure i remember telling her specifically one time there is no way that i'll ever be able to help another person now um in a spiritual sense 
period, like motivation-wise or, or, or helping someone, which I, I had found a really joy in when I first joined the church. I went on my mission. I thought I, I was told my patriarchal blessing, and I believed it because I saw it on my mission. That, that was a talent that God's given me, and I thought it was gone forever um, because of the amount of drugs I used and just because of the shame I had. And uh, it's taken about four years. You know, it took, it took, a, took a while. Um, it took probably the first year and a half to to really start to feel the spirit again in my life, and um, but that's a year and a half of like not picking up, even when I didn't feel the blessings for it. I sure I had like the worldly blessings that we all get right away, especially if you're a substance abuse, you know, right away you like you're clearer, so you're, you're going to be more productive in your life and work and this that and the other, and your relationships are going to be better. But as far as spiritual wise, like I did not feel the spirit for a while, and because uh, I had other things I had to take care of and. Um, but I just kept chugging and kept pushing it through. And I love in the, where it says in here, um, if you're in the beginning of your, your, your program, which we all pretty much are, you know, at some level. Um, I mean, I still feel like I have so much to learn. Um, it says the best, uh, the best most of us could do was to try, try what our recovering friends had suggested. I love that sentence because it's not who someone, you know, it's like, out in the world when you're outside these rooms you talk to another addict they're going to give you all the advice in the world right but they're still using right or they're still in their addiction and they'll tell you what to do oh man this is how i quit but i'm 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 choosing not to quit right now you know there's all this bs out there i don't know how else to put it but it says right here don't go to the world it says go to your recovering friends meaning someone who gets this program and who's living it not someone who used to live it and doesn't anymore i mean they may have knowledge they may have a testimony but someone who's living it today because you got to have living water to give uh, to, to give to anything. It says, so it says what they suggested, and that says, don't use, go to meetings, ask for help. Three simple things. If you're new in your recovery or if you're struggling with uh, something, maybe not be the original thing that you brought you here, but maybe it's some a new level that you want to try to, to obtain in your spirituality or to come closer to God, apply these three things. Don't use. So whatever it is, the action is, don't do it, right? It's very simple. Go to meetings with that. And I think in your mind, like that prayer in your mind of that thing, to go there specifically thinking in your mind, how can I get revelation for what I need uh, for that thing? And it says, and ask for help. See, I, I did the first two really well. I didn't use, right? I'd never picked up after I went to my first meeting. And I went to meetings religiously every week. But one thing I didn't do is I didn't ask for help until about eight months in to going and, and getting sober. And I'm lucky I survived those first eight months because I felt like I was underwater. And if you've been in the ocean and been held under or and, and the only way I can ex describe my doing these steps and what it did for me was coming up out of water. And I felt like I could breathe. It was like I was being held under by my own thoughts, my own insecurities and my own shame and guilt and these steps literally liberated me from myself and i feel like obviously because these steps are just they help us apply the atonement in our lives and i'm so grateful you guys came tonight i honestly thought for sure no one's gonna come i was just like you know i was like there's yeah it's just i've seen it on holidays sometimes it gets really small and i just love you guys and i love the fact that you're taking you're just you guys are rocks everyone in this room are people that that come consistently and um it's awesome because you're building a recovery foundation so that way, in it, six months from now, when the new person walks in here, you're going to be six months further, and you're going to be able to help them, or one month further, or one day further. But you're coming consistently, and it's my testimony, my belief that if we if we do these steps for ourselves in the beginning, God 
will take that 12th step and he was going to help you magnify it, which is to give it to others. And that's why you're truly doing it. It's not, it's to emancipate you from yourself so that you can help others. Not so you can then dwell on yourself. I've done that too. And that doesn't bring you any happiness, I promise. So I'm grateful for you guys. And this is a, a step that has, has changed my life. And it's, I think it's an ever progression step. It's never going to be ending. To trust in God more fully is something we can all learn from and, and do on a daily basis. And I'm grateful you guys are here. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Right, wrong. Valentine's Day, Jay. Happy Valentine's Day, Brad. And happy I'm not at home with my wife. Why? We're here doing a podcast That's with right. because, Nate. Because we're talking about love. What's up, Nate? What's up, we love guys? you, Nate. Wow. We love you, Nate. Wow, thank you. Happy Valentine's Day, fellas. All right. Good. Glad you, you're here. If you hear some scraping on the microphone, Nate has got an amazing beard. Yeah, we gotta we gotta start we gotta start filming these podcasts because like I had that epic mustache there for a while. People need no to see No one believes you because they've never seen it. You know what? They follow my personal account. They'll see that on Instagram, but I do need to post one. Do you want your personal account to get out here? Yeah, of course I do. I don't Bison care. Bison flesh. flesh. I usually tag myself anyways. That's true. <laughs> because you're a self-promoter. Don't uh, follow me, but you can follow Jay. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, so back to Nate. Nate's got the best beard ever, and he's got an amazing story, and that's why you know he's been coming. I've known him for now for about four years. Um, we, uh, we've been in this thing through the thick and thin, and... Um, just grateful to have him here. He's willing to share his uh, story. Like, not like, you know, like we talk about it. There's people that keep anonymity, and that's awesome. But for some of us, we feel like our story could help other people. And uh, Nate's one of those uh, people who's courageous enough to share his story. So thanks for being here. Very courageous. I've been afraid to ask because you're going to blow people away. Um, so let's start in the beginning. Uh, you grew up in the church? Yeah, grew up, born, raised. And uh, a Peter Priesthood? Would you describe yourself as Peter Priest? When you Priestley? were younger? When I was young, yeah, definitely. Uh, you, look like, you look like Brigham Young right now. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so you would fit in technically yeah. back then, too. Yeah, That's back in I'm the going. day. Yeah. Put one of those leather hats on. That's what I'm going. I'm old school like that. Yeah, I love it. But any, so totally clean, or were you like, did you uh, party as a teenager? I did. did you, not, are you an addict? Yes, I am. Okay, I'm so. Drug addict, porn so addict. You're, you're a, an addict, and but I guess I'm going back to. Did this start uh, as an adult or as a teenager? And I guess it, was, it was when I was young. Yeah, like uh, like I was I was in baseball as a kid and I loved it. And then I picked up a surfboard and after that, I was just hanging out with the the rebels. You know, it was like anarchy. And see, my dad didn't let me surf. I had to sneak out and start surfing <laughs> because of the stereotype. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of dopers in surf scene it's cleaned up quite a bit skate scene as well skate is as well hanging out skate park there's a lot but surfing kept me clean ironically but uh it all depends on who you are and where you're at yeah so another question did you grow up in the church yeah he already said you already did okay so So grew up in the church peter priest did but kind of started partying as you started hanging out with siblings and stuff that before after you that were you kind of the one like my uh, wife who Lexi's been on here before and she shared too that she's the only one out of her brothers and sisters they were like all just 
they just didn't have that desire where she from a young age was like i gotta try whatever's put in front of me yeah no my there's a brother of mine that yeah he's got into it a little bit after me but yeah he's still kind of struggling and uh, drinking a lot and into drugs he's mostly just drinking smoking pot right now but uh yeah once uh, i was about seventh grade when i started and uh just going to kegs and just partying, just having a good time until... Quote, good time, kids. Yeah. Until I was like a senior year is when I was trying to get my, my life back together. You know, I saw an interview with Kelly Slater. Uh, he was doing a pro-am golf. Yeah, and I he was interviewed. Him. Did I you watch him? That? I watched him. He's an amazing golfer. No, but he got interviewed, and I don't. I didn't see the interview, but I saw. Him I don't play. know the sportscaster, but he interviewed him, and they were talking about uh, growing up in the surfing scene, and the fact that he's his longevity in surfing is like unprecedented. But Kelly was talking about, and when he started, these guys would be out, and he used the quote marks partying, like quote having a good time, and and they all burned out and like left tour. Like the oldest guy on tour when he started was twenty six years old. And Kelly he's Slater's 45. 45 years old, 45 years young. Still winning. Still yeah. winning um, competitions. But it was interesting, the dialogue is like, like you didn't have a good time? He's like, I had a great time. He's like, but I don't have what they, you know, their their life wasn't a great time. And he talked about the downfall of a lot of people. But that, that quote, we say that in society too, like, quote, good time. But, it's, but by senior year, yeah. you self-evaluate. You just said you self-evaluate, which is interesting that... By seventh grade to to twelfth grade, right? So that's what from eleven ish, twelve ish to to seventeen. So in five year period, right? Roughly yeah. five years. Most of us are same story. Where all of a sudden we're self evaluating. Like how many seventeen year olds? Usually they keep going, but something recognized in yourself because you had the gospel, right? In your life yeah. at a young age, probably or a testimony of family or loved ones. But you self evaluate enough to go, I need to get my life back together. So in just a short period of time. You were able to, to to recognize that, and then you did you go on a mission? Served a mission in uh, Argentina, oh, Rosario. All right. Yeah, it was awesome. Mucho gusto. Yeah. You still speak Spanish? Yeah, poquito, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so served a mission, and then boom, never touched a drug or drink ever since then, right? I wish I could say that. No, yeah. That's all right. So, so what happened? Tell so, us your story. So this is very. I, I, this is a key to point because there's a lot of of pre missionaries or missionaries. Are you repent? You clean up. You never thought you were going to pick up again. Is this is this true? Oh yeah. So you're on your mission. You're teaching word of wisdom. You're like that. That is, I've I'm done with that. Um, and but you weren't. No. So how soon after you got home did you pick up again? There's kind of like a seemed like there was a turning point in my mission that I always kind of like my big regret. You know was. Um, about a year into it, I was uh, I caught myself checking out this one girl. Her skirt was just extremely high, and it threw me off big time. And I kind of fell into looking at pornography on the mission, and uh, that kind of down spiraled. But um, keeping it hidden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, one of my companions caught me and told the president, and uh, I tried to work through it, and I was I felt really bad, ashamed, and. I repented and threw away any the magazines yeah. I bought, but um. But it still kind of threw you off, like kind of like just yeah. throws a wrench in. I I remember yeah. something very similar where the wrench was in, and I like tried to do like for me it was the pills when I had the surgery on my mission. Yeah. But it's like once that once those that wrench was in there, that machine just didn't go back. Yeah. yeah. It was just kept clinking. Yeah. 
So I got got back and uh, I found out the day I got back that my girlfriend who I was dating before the mission was getting married and I had no idea about it during my mission. She was writing you on your mission? Yeah, for like halfway through. Okay. She kind of stopped writing and, you know, I didn't really know. I kind of had an idea, but I didn't know she was like, that's that serious. Yeah. <laughs> not only are we not together anymore, but I'm yeah. getting married. But you're invited. Yeah. I think exactly. I, I had my buddies had a lot of letters like that from their, <laughs> from their girl. I just joined the church. So I didn't. I guess I had a girlfriend, but I did. <clears throat> I did that to her when I got home. She was still on her mission. But anyways, so that kind of th- set you off too. Yeah, it kind of threw me <laughs> off, and uh, just started hanging out with the wrong crowd. Kind of come home frustrated, right? You're frustrated yeah. that you even probably looked at pornography. Mm-hmm. You're frustrated that. The girl you probably thought, like, we all just have this great vision that yeah. the one is the one, and then when it's not, it just kind of goes from there. Yeah, I was planning to uh, to wait for her to go on a mission, wait for her to get back and marry her and all that jazz, but um, uh, it didn't work out, and yeah, just uh, threw me off, and I ended up just hanging out with my brother and my brother's friends and really started to experiment with... All kinds of drugs. Are you going to church still when you get home? Uh, well, the first the couple of weeks. Stuff? seemed like after two months of being home, I was, was, yes, I was like quick and hardcore into drugs, yeah, yeah. and alcohol. So, yeah, due due to your brother, like having that, like, okay. Though, is it kind of like, this is how it was for me, maybe it was the same with you, is that when you, it's almost like, because when, when I had the wrench thrown into my little life, right, like to my testimony or to whatever I was doing on my mission and, and after, then it was like, well, I know those other friends, right? The non-members or the, the members who are not living the gospel 100%. They always accept you, right? Like they want another one to come with them. Of like admit, It's like misery loves company. But at the time, we didn't realize how miserable. It's not like we were like, oh, we were searching. They were searching for miserable people. We Once again, the quote comes in, we thought we were having a good time. And when you're, when you're quote, unquote, having a good time, you want more people there. But I really believe now it's like um, – because we all felt so lonely in drug use and alcohol use and things like that or whatever you were doing that's different from the gospel, uh, you want as many people there as possible because you you feel lonely. Even though in a crowded room, like we talked about in the program, oh, it's interesting. like, yeah. So that's interesting because there is there seems that pull from that culture, like a drug culture. Come on, come on. As and, many people as possible. Like you told it, people that you didn't drink and you're 45 yeah. and we were on a surf trip, say, with like guys that did drink. They would do most of them like once they got wasted, would be trying to get you to drink. Yeah, but yeah. It, yeah, that's interesting. I never heard that. Is maybe it's because you felt yeah, you feel uh, that lonely. hole yeah. or lonely, and you're trying to fill that hole with not maliciously, you. just because you're trying to get more people. Because dude, you just feel empty. You're empty that's all the time. Yeah, okay. at least that's how I felt. Yeah, you agree with that? Yeah, and I had like um, with my brother, I felt like I was like had this purpose to you know bring him back to the church and get him straight, you know and. Even after, even though you're off and you're partying with them, like in the beginning, even before okay. I started, I was like, you know what? Maybe I could justify it a little bit because you know I'm just because you do, you could bond with them, them, yeah, and then I'll pull them back. Yeah, to the, okay. So similar, man. There's so many stories. Like, I mean, our story's a lot alike. Like that's yeah. what I did with our other friend who we had on the podcast. I came home and he was in his addiction, and I remember even thinking like, oh, maybe this is why I came home early, you know. And the bishop, this is the crazy part with my story. The bishop was like, maybe you shouldn't hang out with that person, X, Y, Z. And that was like, how dare you? Like, Christ would never say that, right? <laughs> and I was like on this mission, well, within a month, like, not only was I, he not coming towards me in the light, like, I was, we were doing drugs together. Yeah. Is that kind of how it went? Definitely, yep. So where does it go from there? So after that, um, 
had some crazy things happen. Like my on the day my sister got married, I had like a mental breakdown. I think from all the um, the ecstasy I was trying out. So you're doing heavy drugs, not yeah. just drinking, smoking weed. This yeah. Is like some hardcore yeah. stuff, and uh, it it threw me off, and I ended up I was jumping jumped off San Clemente Pier in the middle of the day. Were you tripping out or what? You yeah, were? totally. Just had a mind. Yeah. yeah, and uh, earlier that morning I was fishing, and I was throwing big bait out there. You know, I was like, all right, I got sharks down there. I grabbed onto the piling, like freaking out that there's going to be sharks. I'm scraping up my legs, like it was sketchy, and. Uh, Cops took me from the sand, went to the mental hospital for a month, maybe a little more. Did you tell me you were on a psychedelic? Like, or like, did they think you were just like some crazy person? They thought I was like this suicidal. You know? Yeah, but this, yeah. but this happens. But it's key, like, to realize that, like, some people when they have these break, like, to a person who's not using, you know, when reality is like you were on a drug, like, you know, yeah. what I mean, that's not Nate when he's not using, yeah. he's not a psychopath. But when you use a psychedelic, when you mess with your brain chemistry and you have these trips, I mean, I've done hallucinogens, and that's that's what happens. You start seeing things that aren't reality. But this takes you now to where? To a, me a mental? mental place? Yeah. Okay, so then where does it go from that's there? That's your bottom then, right? I wish. I wish I could say it was my bottom. Um, after that, I was just, I kind of went back and forth, you know, with uh, trying to get clean, going back to the church and singles ward, and then uh, Is your family, like, scared out. at this point now? Like, I mean, dude... I think of my, my my family was my family's not members of the church, so I didn't have close relatives or loved ones ever trying to check in on me when I was mm -hmm. going through my ups and downs after my mission. My friends were in the church, but once again, it's friends versus family. Family's really gets nervous. Friends kind of like, oh, yeah, it's just Jay or it's just Nate. Was it was your family worried at that point? They were super worried. Like my mom, I can't tell you how many nights you just cry yourself to sleep or just. She was just praying constantly for me, and you know, I I know that it, I just killed her, and uh, I feel extremely horrible for that. But um, but you're here today. Your mom's amazing. Yeah, I love she your mom. is. She Our mom shares the same name, just FYI. Really? Yeah. Okay. Both amazing women. Yeah. So you started to come back to church a little bit. Did you know anything about ARP? I had okay. nothing. No, didn't okay. know nothing. Um, Hear that, bishops? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hear that? Were they excited, presidents, elders, from presidents? Okay, keep going. Hopefully, we'll have them all listening. I went to. Uh, you have a guy that's wanting to get like this life straight. Yeah. Doesn't have any tools. Yeah. And sometimes we, us sober guys in the church, like, we'll just pray, read your scriptures, you'll be good. Yeah. You'll stop. So, which which may be the case, but reality is, like, if you're taking drugs, like we're talking about, what we're taking at that it's time, like, powerful. you're so disconnected from your own self, let alone the spirit, that like. No, sitting down to read is not going to happen. Like, it just yeah. doesn't happen. Like, I remember trying so hard. Probably the same thing for you. I was like, okay, Bishop says, I know I, I need to do this. I'd go to institute. I'd go to these things. I'd sit there, but I couldn't connect anymore. Like, you know, like I said, that wrench was in there. And I'd go to sit and read. All these scriptures were marked up from before my mission. I'd just stare at it. I couldn't read. Like, it was like, you I just felt, You feel that? Yeah, like, Nate? like, disconnected. Just like, disconnect. can't connect, can't... Uh, it was like yeah. someone ripped the wires out of a switchboard. Yeah. And like... Can't concentrate, yeah. But uh, I went to went to jail a couple times, and it seemed like every time I go to jail, what for? mostly stealing, stealing alcohol or stealing video games to try Just to go get minor some more. stuff. Like not like when I say minor, I mean every crime is a crime. But yeah, 
mostly yeah. you're not stealing the use at this point I, uh, occasionally i guess with alcohol the last one yeah like uh, at first i was stealing alcohol and it was um i think it was the second time i got busted for uh, theft was i was stealing alcohol so that uh, my girlfriend at the time couldn't wasn't feeling sick you know that was when we were, we were already into heroin Okay. And getting, oh, so at this point, you're in the heroin. How, yeah. how do you go from, if you don't mind me asking, because I think if I if I would have heard that, like, dibbling and dabbling with pills could lead to heroin, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just didn't think that it could ever go there. And obviously, the world we live in is way different than 10 years ago, where it's even more prevalent. Like, heroin, I know high school kids that are using, obviously. That's kind of what got me into it, you know, like, all the kids around in my area, just, you know, just experimenting, and they, all they said was, oh, it's just a little bit stronger than marijuana, you know, it's just... That's the, that was the pitch, huh? It was just a little bit, a yeah. little better, a little stronger than, than, than pot. You don't have to slam it, you know, you could smoke it. You could smoke it where it's just like we... Because if someone yeah. hands you a needle right off the back, most of us from Orange County are just not, yeah. you know, those of us who grew up 20 years ago in high school, like, no one slammed heroin. No one was shooting heroin. There was no so, needles. Yeah. So I think that's pow- that's powerful to know. Like, when most people think of heroin, they're thinking ejection. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, right? and, and uh, nope. we, we talked to this high school kid, fresh out of high school, he's, an op- he's a heroin user, right? Okay, he's been smoking heroin for about three or four years now and he's 20 something years old um the other day on a 12-step call and uh he's saying that like you know he they're already popping oxys right smoking oxys in in high school so then when heroin gets offered to you at black tar heroin you're doing it's the same thing it's like they're they're being pitched like it's the same thing but it's cheaper so it's like you know what i mean and you think you'll never do that but when you're already now hooked to an opiate pill well if you're already used to smoking a drug adding another drug into it and mixing it does it feel like that big of a leap? Nothing. No, yeah, it feels it's like, like the same oh, thing. Yeah, not same, needles. Yeah. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. All right, so you're doing heroin now, and you're mm, you been in girlfriend. jail multiple times. Yeah, and the jails weren't your bottom. You weren't. You know, it seemed like it was, but uh, each time probably was like each oh, time. I'm yeah, I'm I'm like, switch it up. You know, start doing good again, but then uh, just slowly and surely, you just start stop doing the wrong, the the right thing, and slowly start doing the wrong thing, and. Were you still engaged with the church? Like, you went to jail, like, when you got out, did you go back to church with your mom? Yeah, okay. I would go back to, like, the singles ward, you know. Okay. And, uh, and then i just lose interest and slowly fade away, and then back just repeating the same thing, same did, did, thing. Did any of your leaders know, like, they know you were in jail? Like, or did you kind of slip in the back and... Back out again. Back out again. Yeah, it was kind of the second. Yeah, kind, kind of, of sneaking in, sneaking yeah, out. Okay, I've always been the Which quiet Which is easy type. to do, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And Nate's, Nate's yeah. Not, 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 he's a man of few words, but we when got he does the mic speak, real it's close to his mouth. But when he does speak, it's it's goodness. So uh, yeah. we love it. But um, yeah, I see how that can happen. I mean, singles where you can easily slip in and out. There's no adults that know you, right? It's all a bunch of kids, and we none of us know really what we're doing. We're just trying to implement what maybe we saw growing up, yeah. right? Like a seals word. And who wants to go up to the bishop and you know, tell yeah. them all that you're going through? And There's all these young girls. Like, no one wants to be say that they're doing drugs. Like, yeah. I would never yeah. admit. Yeah. Yeah, never. Okay, so you're doing heroin. You're trying, you know, you're coming in and out of church, but you're just getting sucked back into that world. Yeah. Okay. And it, uh, I remember the last time I got busted was uh, we are Stealing video games and controllers and probably like a couple hundred dollars worth of things from Walmart. 
and so that we wouldn't be sick. So, so you're yeah. selling it now at this point. We're selling our video games to, to get to get yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, so okay. went from stealing things for fun for yourself to now stealing it to not get sick. Yeah, sick. yeah. yeah so we keep on getting high and. Uh, after the first couple of days in jail, I was over it. I was done, and um, I really decided to, to change my life around. What year is this? Um, this was probably about five years ago. Five years ago. So, yeah. at what age, if you don't mind, when you were that age? I was about twenty-nine. So, see, this is I, the reason why I ask you these details because I honestly think that if you're twenty-one years old, twenty-two years old, you return missionary, or maybe didn't even go on a mission, and you're listening to this, and you're LDS, like. You don't really think, like, you assume that you see all your friends getting married in the tent, blah, 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 and when that doesn't happen for you, you think that it, there's not a lot of consequence if you just dibble and dabble. But reality is now you're 29 years old, it's right, you're still in your 20s, and here you are back in jail again. You're telling yourself now what? You said you were done? I was done. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I decided, I told my girlfriend, no, this is it. We're getting back together. We're going to have this nice little family, white picket fence, you know. We're getting and, clean. Uh, yeah, we were, we were doing pretty good for a little bit. And, once uh, you got out? Once I got How out. How long were you in for that time? That time I was in for a year. It's a big time, man. Yeah. I've been in jail for one night, and I'll tell you what, it was the worst freaking night of my life. Yeah. Dude, I, I mean, the, the, I'm telling you, like for those of you Mormons that are listening, they've never been to jail, I'll tell you what, talk about a culture, a culture that when you're in there, you're in there with, what, 90%, would you agree, 80 to 90% or if not more, all drug or alcohol? Oh, of yeah. some sort, right? Like More, either crime 95. for drugs or alcohol, all related around substance abuse. You're stealing, but it was because of drugs. Right, that's what I'm saying. So okay. so now you're in a place for a year, because people don't get this, right? They go, oh, you've been to jail, why didn't you stop? Dude, going for one day was enough for when I left, okay? I was like, I'm the worst person on earth. Like, I'm, like I can't believe I was there. Like, you know what I mean? And you start telling yourself, like, you know, the adversaries in your life, you're shaming yourself for what you did or whatever you didn't do. And you're in there with 90% of people who are lost, who probably shouldn't be in jail. They should be in rehab. They should be sent to a recovery place. And hopefully that's where our country's going. I don't mean to get on a tangent, but reality is, like, this is part of the reason why you, you, you know, see the cycle of going back and back and back, you know, because you're not getting treatment. You're just getting locked up. Yeah, exactly. Locked with up with a bunch people, of dopers. With a bunch of dopers yeah. where all they do is talk about how high they got. Yeah, and get high in And getting high in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you're trying, you and your girlfriend are trying to sober up and get clean, were you going to a program or a 12-step meeting or anything like that? Uh, I was going to AA and NA, any okay. chance I get in church, okay. in jail. Um, so you're you working a program. Yeah, and okay. I had my family send me as many church books as I can. I read Miracle Forgiveness in there. Oh, that's a heavy book. It was gnarly. That's a heavy and, book. Uh, my bishop came but, up. But oh, not man. an ARP program book. No, I had no idea about ARP. When I got out of jail, okay. went straight to the bishop, and uh, and he mentioned it, you know. Okay. and that, This is here in Southern California, right? This, yeah, here. yeah. And I talked to my bishop, and he showed me online. And Good I remember at church, I was uh, just sitting outside watching all the videos, just crying my eyes out. Like, like in the parking lot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, you I could was, relate to the videos? I was amazed that there was a program kind of like NA, you know, church-based with Christ in it, you know, the headstone. Uh, well, that's just huge, right? So we've heard that a lot. Those videos, powerful, and that was one of... Jay and I motivation is if we could keep it like you can watch the same video over and over again, but it kind of loses out. So by having you on here, sharing your story, 
you're hitting. I showed you some of the stats before we met. Yeah. Like you're you're touching a lot of people right now. So you're doing that same thing that those people that got honest on those videos. Yeah. So where does it go from the video? So you're watching yeah. the videos, you get hit, you're like, you're feeling the spirit, you're crying, you're sitting there on the porch. Do you do you rush to find a meeting? Do you follow the bishop? Where does it go from there? Yeah, of course. I uh, I decided to be one of those uh, no matter what guys. That's when we met. That's when Dan and I met. Yeah. Okay. Met in a meeting. That was about uh, three and a half years ago. Yeah. And uh, I was going for a good, good that was year it. and you a half. You found your bottom, you started going to meetings, and you were good from then on out? I thought I was there, man. I was doing well, for a while, so dude. Good. I mean, I mean, it's it's crucial to talk about this because relapse reality is it's a part of this. It's a part. It unfortunately, it's just the way this disease works for a lot of us until we till we find it or you know till we decide to never do it again. But reality is like when Nate came in, I remember it because I mean, first of all, I just started going. I had just started going months prior to that, so I only had a few months okay. sober. I'm still kind of. Mm, I'm at this point when he came in, I was sharing that I was an addict and stuff, but I was still in the back of my mind, not for sure that I was ever going to not use again, if that makes sense. I was, I was still kind of, uh, talking the talk. I wasn't necessarily always walking it. I hadn't done the steps yet. I hadn't, I hadn't had a sponsor yet. I don't think, um, or maybe I just got a sponsor, but the point was, is like, you stopped using for a period of time. I stopped using for sure. I think I had it like six months clean, but I didn't have six months of recovery. That's for sure. When I mean that, I mean, I wasn't working a program. And, but I remember you coming in there and being raw and talking about jail and stuff. And I just remember like, oh, man, this guy's like, because, you know, we see people, if, you, if you're listening and you've been to a meeting, you know, there are some of us that when we walk into meetings in the beginning, we're not ready. And, you know, we may talk a lot of BS or whatever. But Nate was one of those people that walked right in and was just like real. He was straight up with where he had been. He talked about being in jail. He didn't sugarcoat it. And there was other dudes that had been to jail. I mean, if you remember, you know, there was a rock that was there. He would always talk about his, his I think he went to prison, you know, like his yeah. story was pretty intense too. But Nate came in there and just shared. And But I mean, the one thing I noticed, and I didn't even know your background about all this stuff, about being a missionary or anything, you always talked about Christ. You always talked about God. Like, that's why I love these meetings. It's like, you don't got to be, I mean, the, there's nothing about wrong with a white shirt and tie on Sunday. Of course, that's what we're told we need to do, so we do it. But uh, it does, you can be in a meeting. When I first went to those meetings, I didn't think I was going to find the Lord. I thought I was going to find something about addiction and recovery, but I didn't think four years later I'd gain my testimony back. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I like there was you start, when you would start to share, your shares wasn't so much on on like the the slogans of AA or the slogans of NA and like all these like quotes that just get repeated and regurgitated like I do a lot <laughs> I just regurgitate things I heard but like yours was like this is what Christ is doing in my life and like this is the gospel and it kind of like your shares and a lot of other people but like yours specifically you were always focused on the gospel even though you'd had this you talked about it. I didn't know how long at that point but I I could tell you'd been up and down for a while right and yeah. so just like me I just didn't share that stuff yet but I'm thinking, man, and this guy's talking not about AA and NA slogans and things like that. He's talking about Christ. Like you, it's like you were talking from the scriptures. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that makes sense. And like, dude, that's why I love this. Nate, did you realize you were having an impact on Jay? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's how it works. Yeah. 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 You're probably like, oh, this guy's got six months sobriety. Like that's awesome. And yet, he's benefiting from your share in that meeting. To the to this day, you didn't know about that. No way. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. Yeah, that's awesome. So this podcast is awesome. Chills. Boom. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so now, okay. So we're in there. Me and me and we actually have another thing in common, right? We share the same sponsor. 
Yeah. Right? We started yeah, doing yeah. the steps around the same time. Yeah. And it, we both slacked off around the same time. It was like <laughs> yeah. we, we both – it wasn't easy for us to, to do the steps. And then – so where does it go from there? Because I remember, dude, you were the like, no matter what club, man. You were in there with me every week. What does week. that mean? What does the no matter what club mean? Someone someone, someone in our meeting. You know, yeah, he, he came in and, and there was a guy there that, you know, he's very adamant. He had like – he had 27 years of using – like a heavy methamphetamines and, and he, but he talked about the, how he had four years sober roughly around that time. And, and he just shared a story of it. He said something around the lines of what did he say? He's like, if you're going to come, like, if you're to suit up, you show up and you like, you're part of the, no matter what he was all about in the, no matter what, yeah, you gotta be there. No Every matter week. what. Yeah, yeah. If you want recovery, if you, you say you want the things we talk about, cause a lot of us talk the talk. That's what I mean. Yeah. But he's like, if you actually want to stop using, you got to come no matter what. And then that's that's what that, that rung for you. You remember oh, that? Yeah. I was there. Yeah. I was just like, oh, okay. year year and a half. I was there, and, and uh, I was doing really good. And uh, my wife was. By so this now your time girlfriend was, turns to your wife. By this time, oh. yeah. Let's see. Because you grew the same girlfriend, right? You talked. We about were still, were... yeah. We were still dating when uh, when I first came to ARP. Yep. But then, yeah, a little bit later, maybe six months later, we got married, and. Uh, she was still struggling, and yes. uh, where you were getting clean, kinda, but she was having a hard time, right? Yeah, she was in and out of rehabs, and uh, I remember her in rehab for a while. Yeah, she had a really hard time, and uh, it got to the point it was pretty bad our relationship where she was talking about getting divorced, and she filed the papers, and it was it was kind of set in stone. And uh, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, uh, the day <clears throat> the day that the final that the divorce was going to finalize. Is when we found out that she was pregnant, mm. and uh, we went to the courthouse and we reversed that divorce, and uh, we stayed married and tried to work it out. We were really happy, and um, she slowly weaned off uh, heroin and so her addiction good. was heroin. Yep, yep. She was slamming too. She was into it pretty so without bad. Without smoking, for those who are listening, that slamming means shooting with a, with a needle. Intravenous. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is it's crucial to listen. So it's like this is normal when when someone's trying to get. So you understand when someone's okay. You got a relationship, right? And say the male's A and the girl's B, right? Okay, if A is trying to get sober, usually that causes a relationship to have, right? Like it's not necessarily she's trying to end the relationship with A. It's because she wants to use, and no one wants recovery when you when you when you're not ready to give it up. Everything that has to do with light or recovery is a is a challenge it challenges you right yeah. and it calls you out it's basically calling you out even though you, nate's not the type of guy that would ever call someone out and tell them how to live their life but you know the way it, you were living your life was calling her out yeah like. yeah and that when i was in jail like prior to getting out I, that was my biggest struggle i was like this is going to be the hardest thing ever to stay clean while still being while she's not you know and i remember that was a worry there. for me i remember we'd have conversations yeah because i didn't get it because like when when you're when you're outside the relationship it's easy to be like well it's all a relationship issue. If she doesn't, if you know, if she wants to end it, why are you with her? Like blah blah blah. I remember having those conversations with you, yeah. but it didn't. Once again, I only had a few months sober above you, so I didn't really know what I was talking about. <laughs> I just knew like, oh, this is a relationship thing. But now, like, I just put that connection in my head that it was just an someone in their disease and someone who's out. Yeah. Right. Like who someone who's in recovery and who's out. Like that's how it was with my wife. Like there was a time where I was trying to convince myself that well, if my wife left me, maybe I don't need, you know, because I wanted to keep using. So, and dude, and Nate's one of those guys that's like, like, no matter what club, and he was no matter what with his wife. And, and, uh, 
you know, you had some, you had some, you know, some of us give us your opinion, but you're like, no, nah, this is my wife and I'm going to stick with her. And that's something I always looked up to you too, because you're living your life on your terms. And, um, I remember then, you know, you're coming strong and then, and I know you found out you're pregnant. We're all stoked. And then all of a sudden it got like anyone who is listening that has kids. It's not easy that that comes in the pregnancy and life. And then now she's still struggling or whatever. And then all of a sudden, I just kind of remember we lost contact for a while. And like we talking and then I just didn't see you every week. It was every other week. And then so what what happened during that time? Because I don't really still know. Yeah, I uh, we were struggling with our relationship. You know, it, the yeah. pregnancy was awesome. We were she was we were so happy and doing good. And then because uh, you're just stoked. Yeah. You're stoked. yeah. And then after we had the baby, it was going good for the first couple months. And then she fell off the wagon again. And uh, she, so she was, relapsed relapsed and um things got pretty bad uh all the way up to the point where she was going to get divorced with me again because and, uh, she's using once again like yeah. you're challenging that are you still staying sober because i remember you're like i'm div like i said you're part of the no matter what club mm -hmm. and i think it's important to talk about these details because i promise you someone's listening to this and they're living the same life in their wherever they're at i don't care what country what ethnicity all of our stories are so your story is relating to someone right now. So yeah. that's why I'm asking all these details. So, okay, so you're trying to make it work. And did is that why you weren't coming every week to your meetings? Yeah, I stopped, you... I stopped coming. I justified it because, you know what, I needed to be there for her. Because that's know, what you hear, family she, first, right? Yeah, she, you know, she's my, the love of my life, and uh, I need to be there for her. And, and the baby. And the baby. We just had a kid. And she felt like I was just neglecting her. So I, I wanted to work on that. And uh, I wanted to be home and help her with the baby and all the chores and stuff. And uh, that just kind of what slowly dwindled me away from coming to ARP. And uh, that stopped me from doing my program and doing my, uh, you know, the steps in the back, writing down those answers. They, they really helped me out. Um, so I stopped coming, and she wanted a, a divorce again, and that's that's what threw me off the rocker. And um, I decided to to start using again. You know, if if she didn't want me anymore, then I didn't care. Yeah, because after a while, right? I mean, like, would you agree? And I think you know, people are listening at the same point when when you're trying something, right? You're trying to help your wife get sober, and it's whatever it is, whatever you're trying. And you just keep getting met with the same failure or the same pain over and over again. Eventually, I don't care who you are, the brain goes, I don't want this pain anymore, dummy. And you keep trying to do something, whether it's a righteous challenge or whatever, righteous goal like this, you're trying to do. But the pain gets so much that the brain goes, all right, man, I need a release, like, period. And we're designed this way to find maximized pleasure minimize pain right and you had all this pleasure right had this baby had this life now all of a sudden it's getting tilted to pain and then it's over and over again and then you get to this point where you're like i'm just this is just this is well like you just said if it's this is how it's going to be you know what man uh, i know something that can you know the brain the attic brain goes yeah. the disease comes back and it yeah. says hey man i know you found a solution but let's be honest man you still feel like crap with your solution so I can make you, I mean, these are the thoughts I would have in my head. Like, this is, this is, you could take this again. As I go back thinking about it, I kind of try to realize, you know, what went wrong. And a key point was that I remember going to pick up for her, go get some drugs, and just sitting there. I was still clean and just sitting there, and I kind of 
not, since I wasn't going to ARP, wasn't doing my program, I had those feelings like, oh, you know, that sounds good. Yeah, You're just that your really picking good. up for your wife. Yeah. Dude, I, and, that's uh, now. A week later, I, that was when I said, screw it. And uh, progressive disease, I, I went right back to the... To Same the, dosage and stuff? Best of the best, yeah. So now I'm just back smoking weed, and now you're now back on heroin. Oh, yeah, yeah. So where'd it go from there, man? Because none of us knew this, right? Like, I mean, dude, I, we just we just knew that, you know, none of us wanted, like, you know, when, when, when someone's dealing with the family and stuff, like, we don't really know, and, you know, it's, not, it's none of anyone's business, so we just kind of like, well... We, you know, hopefully you'll come back once the baby, and really, no one really knew, like, at all. I didn't yeah. know until you called me, like, yeah. that you had even been, you, I just figured, he's just got a lot on his plate. Yeah. Because that's normal, right? Yeah, yeah. So what, so what does it go from there? So from there, it just, it got worse and worse, and I was, how many months then, like, or weeks, or? Uh, let's see, I relapsed in, like, it was about a little bit before Halloween, and, uh, 2015? Uh, Let's 15. See. I think it was 15. Yeah. So it wasn't last year. Yeah. It was the year before. Year before last. And uh, yeah, it went two or three months. We were doing a lot of math too. And just trying to both. trying to take care of our. Yeah. Because you need the meth to get up to do your Yeah. Shit. And yeah. then to get down. Uh, it, it got real bad. And uh, I remember just wanting to change my life again. And um, I was drinking quite a bit too and doing uh doing everything i just remember one day it was uh two days after our our three-year anniversary that i decided you know i need to be the example i need to step it up and uh i don't know how i could help her if i can't help myself so uh i decided to stop using uh black black tar heroin and meth and I just decided, you know, I'll just drink. I'll just do one step at a time, you know. If I kick, I could just drink to kick. And uh, that was the night, the the worst thing that happened to me ever went down. Um, went to work, came back home, and she needed some more. And uh, we went, no, we didn't pick up. We. We just had a little bit more. She was going to use the last that we had, and then and then go pick up. And uh, that's when she she overdosed and died right in my in my arms. She took her dose and she just couldn't breathe. And uh, I followed her in the bathroom, threw a bunch of cold water on her, yelled to call nine one one. Started giving CPR to her as she slowly fade away. And uh, I can't believe the trauma that that, that, that has caused. Uh, losing someone so close to you is the hardest thing ever. Totally. Totally, I remember that call. I mean, so she, I mean, she didn't pass away right away, you know, luck, luckily, right? Like, they got her on... Uh, no, what was she on? Because when you called me, she was in the hospital. She was in the hospital. They were just basically keeping her alive because, like, she had she had gone right. She OD'd, her and alive. they were uh, they worked on her doing CPR in her upstairs bathroom for about half an hour, wow. and she wasn't breathing. 
she lost she didn't have any oxygen to her brain for yeah. so such long of a time that when they they got a little heartbeat and took her to the hospital right away they're like okay she and uh after that um the hospital did everything they, they got to run tests right on the brain to see yeah. that's the biggest worry i mean i don't think a lot of people understand it's like i didn't understand what od like I, what does that mean you hear od all the time mm -hmm. but like one thing people don't understand is when it's heroin right usually your respiratory system shuts down mm -hmm. which is breathing oxygen and then the where where people breathing. they can revive you to a degree like you said or heartbeat they got a heartbeat yeah but i mean what is it? it's like a short it's like seconds that the brain does it's like over a it's a short amount of time. I don't know exactly. Like fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. Okay, uh, fifteen minutes to oxygen, not to the brain. Yeah. You know, you know, people can hold their breath for you know five minutes. You know what I mean? But yeah. fifteen minutes is just enough to where it's it's kind of replaceable. I remember that call. I'll never forget it. I think it was in the meeting. I think we were in the meeting, and then you called. And I was like, oh, I even said to someone, I was like, oh, it's Nate. Like I'm gonna answer this. Like, dude, I'm stoked he's calling. And and then when you called, and told me like we went. You know, I remember going straight there with Mike. And, uh, you know, here's another thing, like, here, here, here's the worst day of your life, right? Uh, most people would have shame, right? Because they know they're using with their, with their loved one and that is just OD'd. But Nate is someone of character to the point where right away he calls people from program, people that have, are not perfect, people who are trying to live the, the, the solution, the gospel, the whole thing, recovery. And you call and you have us come right there do a blessing, do that, but then also right away, I'll never forget this, hopefully you don't mind me sharing, but uh, then oh, we're all in shock, right? Like, she's alive, they're keeping her up to a degree on these machines, life, life support, that's what it was, like, she's on life support, and uh, we're, your family's there crying, you're crying, and we're just kind of like, okay, like maybe she's going to make, like, you know, no one knows, right? You're just hoping for this miracle, right? But I'll never forget, this is before, this is that night, Right before we leave, we, me and my, our sponsor had stayed there um, with you for a while and your family. You're like, I remember you calling us over to your backpack, I think it was, and you just pulled out, you know, a few things, a few, few things that you had left, a few drugs that you had left. And, uh, I think it was pot, right? It was like your pipe. Yeah. And, some of the, and, and uh, you said, here, and you just handed them to me. And uh, that was one of those, man, I'm getting chills just talking about it. Uh, uh, to me, that was like, uh, I only read the book more than once in my life. To, I'm going to make a uh, confession here. But um, it reminded me of the sons of Brad Craig. Sons of Moses. Sons of Moses. Helaman. We're the ones that buried their weapons. Oh, the uh, sons of Helaman. Helaman. And uh, when you handed me that, I'm dead serious, man. When you handed me that pipe and that, that little bit of weed and something else, I remember just looking at it. And the way you did it, it was just like you were handing it to me for good. And that was like, you didn't say anything really. You just said, take this. And the way you looked at me and Mike when you handed it to me, it was like, hey, this is like, I'm done. Like, I'm burying this. And mo what I'm, the reason what I'm getting at is not only was that a huge testimony to me that on the worst day of your life, right, your wife in your arms, you have a baby, you have all these things. Instead of going, most people are going to go on a binger after that, right? We know those people that have done that. I know personally people that have done that, and then they either lose their life or they get so messed up they can't take care of their kid, right? And then now their kid has no parents. Mm -hmm. I have friends like that personally still in my life today. But here you were, man, the same night, handing away your weapons, handing away the things that are keeping you from everything. And I'll never forget that. And I just, I'll also then never forget 
that was right there. It was like the no matter what club was back, and like you never really left. You're the same person, and that's one thing when people listen to this, and they they don't know understand the disease of addiction. It, dude, uh, when we're using, we're not who we. You know what I mean? But when the minute we want to get sober, it's like all the. I don't know, it just said so much about your character, and I remember just feeling the spirit so strong, and then I remember, like, the blessing that we, you know, we gave, and I remember uh, when you asked me to do that, you know, what, what was that part you share, you share in the meetings quite a bit about that, because I don't remember what I said, it's, you know, it was such an emotional night, yeah. that, like, I don't remember anything, really, besides you handing me the drugs, and that yeah. was really it. At that point, uh, I kind of already knew the doctor at the hospital when I showed up, he pretty much told me that she was brain dead and that uh, if she were to, to live, her life wouldn't be... She won't support the whole life. Yeah. And uh, so I, at that point, I was feeling like, am I going to be enough? Am I going to be good enough to, to raise this little girl? by myself, you know, should I give her up to my sister and her husband or should I put her up in the family somewhere? And I was really worried about that. And um, God was speaking to me through through you, Jay. He told, he told me through you that just as long as you raise London in the gospel, you'll be fine. And just the way it was said, it, it really put me at peace, and I knew it to be true. And that meant, still means so much to me, you know, like I have, I have confidence that as long as I do what's right and I keep coming back, stay in the Matawak Club, and uh, my daughter's going to be awesome. And, There's safety in that is what you're saying. Yeah. Like that's the only time I have safety in this life, because like, remember, I grew up a heathen. Right, like no gospel, no Christ, no Bible in my home. We're literally, we're like, we're non-believers, right? Yeah. People, Christian people, are weirdo to us, you know, a little weird. And faith people were weird, um, respecting them, I guess, but we're just different. But like, it's interesting now in my life when that was said, it and you saying it to me right now. The only time where I don't have fear in my life, which fear wants to come into being an addict in recovery, Brad. Fear comes into your life daily. I mean, that's your disease is fear, basically. That's all it is. It's like everything is rent. The only time I don't have fear in all aspects, I'm talking financial, whatever, spiritual, is when I'm immersed in the gospel. You know what I mean? And that's something that we fight for so long, but then we complain about the fear that then comes. But it's like, you just got it. Like, and I remember now when I, when I gave that blessing, it was so clear. It was just like, the gospel is like when I say the gospel, I mean church. I mean, I mean ARP. I mean, really. I mean, the we, whole shit. We have the whole thing, and you've talked about this is like the church because Brad's worked with other churches before, and he's gone to like a, an addiction thing, right? And when they talk about pastors, yeah. pastors, other pastors of other faiths, uh, Nate, and the one thing he talks about when he left, they don't have any structure, right? Not only in addiction, but any a lot of these other faiths, like they do have structure. I shouldn't say that, but they don't have the safety nets for members. And that's one thing that, like, uh, the gospel has for you and your family. And that's why that's true. That statement wasn't from me. That's, that's from the Lord because he's like, listen, I got, you think, you know, she's not only, her mother's her mother. And her mother's always going to be her mother for eternity. You However, she's, she's going to have a big family yeah. if you stay in this church. But if you leave this church, right, if we, if we leave the safety net of the gospel, it's a lonely world out there. 
when my family goes through struggles, guess what? We don't have no one calling us. Like my family's not members. Like they don't have a relief society present checking in and see how their surgery was or how this was in their life. Or the world doesn't have that, man. The world's a lonely spot. You know, it can be. And and you, have you found that to be true? I mean, you're now a father. So so we go from that point now to fast forward to what over a year now. Yeah. And so over this year, what you uh, you share a lot of hope in these meetings yeah. about like. What are you looking forward to? You shared tonight. Yeah. Um, I just, I've come really far and like. You're sober. Recently, yeah. I've been clean for a year, a little over a year. That's huge. And uh, I've been working with my bishop and I got my my full membership back recently. And um, also custody for a while there. Full custody of my daughter because the state had custody of her for through child because protective both services. Using, but now, now you got her back. So no, so many blessings. I mean, yeah. just like <laughs> But uh, the main thing is, I look forward to to walking back through that temple, and uh, I'll be able to be with my daughter and seal our little family together. And I, it feels so right, like. Every once in a while, I hear somebody ask if I'm going to get married again or something, and it's it doesn't feel right. It doesn't. It's not for me, you know. Um, I don't know what my life's going to be, but um, I know for a fact that I need to do this. You need to get her sealed to you. Yeah, and uh, and do Amy's work, right? Yeah, she's with me, and uh, she. You talk about that a lot. London. You talk about how she's with you, and you feel yeah. her like with your daughter. Now you London's. Your daughter's name, right? Like, is she, she's how old now? She's a year and a half. She's a year and a half now. Gorgeous little girl. So gorgeous. Yeah. So happy. So much joy. You have an amazing mom who helps out just like my mom helps with me. I mean, you know, when I got a wife, my mom is, it helps just like your mom. And yeah. like I said, they share the same name. They're angels, especially to put up with us. But you're, you're <laughs> such a testimony to me of so many things. But the no matter what club, and I'll never forget, like, you know, that night, I'll never also forget the fact that you showed up next week. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I've known people that have had tragedy, and uh, a good friend of mine who's uh, lost one of uh, the girl that he had a kid with as well. They weren't married, but uh, and you know he swore off he was going to use. You know, he's going to be at the next meeting with me. I don't see. I haven't seen him in over you know almost a year since, or eight months or so since his girl had passed away. So there are people out there. You know, don't. Don't let the adversary ever tell you I'm, this is not. Oh. Yeah, like you know, it's you, like you're unique, man. You're a special person. You are. Thank you so much, Nate. You're really honest, powerful. And now you have recovery. The point is, is yeah. like, yeah, we share the story. And I, if you're like me, I've had to share my story a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I go through the whole story of my life, like when I speak at high schools, I get a little depressed because I'm like, man. Especially one time <laughs> I had to speak like it was. <laughs> they had, they had five, four or five times in a row to smaller groups of the kids. <laughs> so I was literally repeating my mistakes five, six times. <laughs> wow. When you start talking about your life of this, a lot, a lot of ups, more downs than ups, man. I get depressed. But wow. you know what? It, because it was a secular school, I could share about the gospel and how it changed. I could just say I was sober. But I don't know about you, and I hope you don't feel that way because now you have recovery in your life. The whole point of sharing this is to help, hopefully, uh, other people to recognize it and avoid the pitfalls, get help sooner, right? Like if we would have had this book given to us right after our mission, who knows? But we're not there now, but we're there now, and we have it now, and you're working it, and you're sober. You're sober. And I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to, first off, finish the steps, you know? Yeah. 
I'm excited to share my story with others and just uh and you're sponsoring people right now. Yeah. You have sponsees yeah. that are who are or who are clean themselves now. Yeah. Who are doing yeah. you and your story. So uh, don't be don't be ashamed. Be proud be proud that this is the huge. atonement was there in your life and is there in your life. Dude, change my and life. uh this is a great testimony of that change. Um our stake president shared in a word conference, and I think he's going to be going out throughout that the word repentance in the English language has like this weird, a negative connotation. Yeah. But in most other languages, it's like a positive word. Really? It just means change. It's like change for the better. And, and when we say it, it's been, maybe in our culture, it's like, oh, you got to repent. Yeah. When like I first you got to, like, oh, you got to talk to the bishop? That's you, a negative thing. As opposed to yeah. get yeah. to, like it's a positive thing. Yeah. And I think like the, Wow. It's just yeah. amazing, man. I mean, dude, you, you, uh, I love it. So if you're listening, uh, you know, to tie it back around, if you're like me, you're probably making an excuse for your addiction. If you're like me, you're probably making a justification for using. If you're like me, you're probably not talking to anyone about it and you're not admitting it out loud. But if you're listening and if you connect it to, to Nate's story, to our, our talking here and the things we shared about, do yourself a favor. And like Brad said, don't look at any of this as, the negative part of repentance. This is the positive part is you can change no matter what. And no matter what you've gone through, your justifications, I'm sorry, it's probably not what we heard tonight. So there's no excuse. And, uh, you know, you heard a man who shared his darkest hour. And yet a year, a little over a year later, not only is he sober, but he's on a podcast uh, that's 40, 30 some countries, whatever. And you're sharing, not only breaking your anonymity, but you're out there willing to, to help anyone who asks. And I know you're the type of guy that would give the shirt off your back, let alone your story with people. And, you know, like I said, you're going to save lives from this. And I appreciate you for being here. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. You're awesome, brother. Till next time. All right, Brad. I'm Jim Nag. Understanding
give him shelter.